And let's together open our Bibles to Philippians, the fourth chapter. Philippians, the fourth chapter. Thanksgiving meditations are always, of course, brief, but I hope the Lord will bless that it will be meaningful to your heart as we expound this brief portion of God's Word. Philippians 4, I want to read beginning at verse 4 through verse 9. This is the Word of God. May the Lord bless its reading and exposition. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable... Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. At this Thanksgiving, as I stand before you as your pastor, there are many people for whom I am concerned. Some of those needs are apparent to you all. Some of them perhaps are not. There are many problems for many people. Joblessness, financial issues, sorrows of heart and soul, and a world torn by warfare, which appear on a human level to be chaotic, although we know our God has a sovereign plan and we depend upon that truth and reality. This is true of believers and unbelievers alike. Many a person for whom I am deeply concerned are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Most of them are. One sharp difference, however, the unbeliever has everything to worry about in time and in eternity. Believers worry, but we worry unnecessarily. That's really what the text teaches. It may be a hard truth in some ways. I know that I come from a long line of worriers. And so it's easy to worry. But the Bible says rather than worry, we should give thanks. Well, let's look at two things. What does the text prohibit? Our text prohibits the believer from worrying. We are told in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. But you say, I have reason to worry. Well, he doesn't mean, Paul... Remember who's writing this. He doesn't mean be flippant about life, don't bother to plan, or you have no concerns. He does mean don't be enslaved to worry and concern in the way in which worldly men are. Spurgeon somewhere said, keep the world under your feet. That's a good comment. Keep the world under your feet. Well, why? We are to trust God with our future. Worry is contrary to faith. Little faith panics, allows circumstances to master the heart. The root of this, of course, well, it isn't controlled by our biblical understanding of God and His character and His attributes and His sovereignty and His love and His mercy for us as people, His promises and our position in Christ. And my friend, no matter what you experience as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, always go to the cross 
when you can't understand what's happening and things seem too deep and too serious and just overwhelming to you, remember God demonstrated his own love to us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Remember that the scriptures say, he who spared not his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him freely give us all things? What are those all things? All the things that are necessary for us as people to glorify him in the midst of the fallenness of this world. Those are the things that he has promised to give us. And if he's done it in the cross, then he will do it in those lesser things, though important things in life. So that's what is prohibited. But also in this text, what does the text command? Well, verse 6 tells us that too. Look, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so prayer and thanksgiving. I commend to you Matthew 6, 25 through 34 as a great text to turn to perhaps at the dinner table today. To remember what our Lord Jesus Christ said about worry. To remember that he says every day has enough trouble of its own. Paul the Apostle says, don't worry but do pray. Why pray? Because it underlies our trust in God's sovereignty over all things. That we do not live in a chance universe. That he is a God who has a people and loves those people and keeps his people That he knows our needs even before we ask. Why thanksgiving? Well, because we cannot be self-absorbed and thankful at the same time. The two just do not go together. Neglect of praise becomes fear. And the best thing that we can do in times of fear is to fill our hearts with biblical praise for who God is and what he has done for us, his people. Both prayer and thanksgiving, another form of prayer, acknowledge that nothing is too great for God's power and nothing is too small for his concern. One old divine said, a trouble prayed over is a dead lion with honey in the carcass. Well, what does the text promise? We find that in verse 7 here in Philippians 4, in verse 7. This is the promise, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guard your hearts and your minds. And the Apostle Paul has in mind undoubtedly those those sentinels that are guarding him as he writes this prison epistle. Remember, the Apostle Paul is writing about prayer and thanksgiving and trust and not worrying when he's in prison. So it will guard your hearts and your minds against the onslaughts of the evil one, the accusations of the devil, and those unworthy thoughts that can fill our hearts and our minds in the midst of serving Christ in the fallenness of the world. The result? The result is peace. He's speaking here, of course, of of inner peace. He's speaking of subjective peace, experiential peace. Why? Because, again, peace is the opposite of self-will. The Puritan John Howe said, we breed the the worms that gnaw and corrode our hearts. My friend and teacher Sinclair Ferguson put it this way, the secret of freedom from anxiety is freedom from ourselves and abandonment of our plans. Let me read that again. 
The secret of freedom from anxiety is freedom from ourselves and abandonment of our plans. How true that is. At the end of life, we will regret many things, perhaps. We will have trusted Christ, and we know that He saves and redeems, and we're not going to to live or die on the basis of those regrets. Nonetheless, I think one thing that will will be on the minds of many of us is that we have been preoccupied with petty interests. But many of our worries and concerns are not petty. And therefore, the central focus through it all must be Christ. Christ, always Christ. And when the apostle says in verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable... If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The Apostle Paul is not saying bury your head in the sands and don't recognize the difficulties of life. He's saying in the midst of the hardships of life, have a Christ-like focus. That's what he's teaching. Because joy does not depend upon circumstances. Always in Paul, there's eschatology. And I'm sure you noticed in verses 4 and 5 that the Apostle says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. He's talking about the return of Christ. He is saying that he is living in the reality of the promise of that final harvest home of which we sung earlier in our service. The future certainty that is given to us in Christ of his return gives peace to my present. God promises in the present that we have a secure and certain future that nothing and no one can take from us. And so we see by faith the unseen. We see by faith the invisible. And even the hardest things in this life are by Paul said to be light and momentary afflictions when contrasted with the glory that awaits us, his people. So live with the scriptures. I mean live with the scriptures. Constantly filling your mind and heart with the truths of God's word. Depend upon the promises of God. Now every time I think about this passage, I think of a little story that was told by James Montgomery Boyce. I've shared it with you before, but I think it's very meaningful. Dr. Boyce said, years ago, a delightful old French woman told me a story from her own life. In her youth in France, she had been taught to make a little box of Bible verses containing a selection of promises of God from the scriptures. Each verse was written on a small piece of paper about the size of a piece of chewing gum, and each was then rolled up to make a miniature scroll. After there were 40 or 50 of these small scrolls, they were placed on end and a tiny open box so that the tops were even and each one was visible. This was the promise box, and she had been encouraged as a child to pull out one verse each morning and read it. One day during the Second World War, when she was much older, she was feeling terribly discouraged by many things that had happened. In her depression, her mind turned to the little box of promises that had been long since forgotten. She went to the drawer of the dresser where she kept the box, and she took it out. She prayed, Lord, you know how depressed I am, and you know that I do need a word of encouragement. Isn't there a promise here somewhere that can help me? 
She finished praying and stepped over to the window where the light was better for reading. As she did, she tripped over a loose edge of the rug and all the promises went spilling out onto the carpet. And she said, Lord, how foolish I've been to ask for one promise when there are so many glorious promises in your word. In the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk not understanding what was happening, totally misunderstanding uh, the work of the Lord, and yet living by faith, says this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Paul knows that he's not giving a panacea here. The Apostle Paul knows that he's not giving a simple prescription for all worry, but he's pointing us to our anchor in trouble. He's pointing us to the one who, as we continue to grow through our troubles in grace, we will learn to trust more and more our Lord Jesus Christ, who really is, he really is, Lord. Lord of our circumstances, Lord of our lives, Lord over all things, Lord over our troubles. He really is our Lord, Jesus Christ. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.